The Impeachment Witch Hunt with Greg Jarrett. For three days, senators in the impeachment trial of President Trump heard Democrat House managers argue he should be convicted and removed from office. Finally, Trump's legal defense team got its long-awaited chance to respond to the accusations, to argue the evidence, and present clips from House witnesses, excerpts that Democrats had chosen to ignore during the Senate trial. The video clips were played of the witnesses admitting that their opinions that Trump wanted a quid pro quo from Ukraine's president were based on what they'd heard from others, not direct evidence. Their testimony was speculation based on hearsay, in many cases, multiple hearsay, which is inherently unreliable and in courts of law would be inadmissible as evidence. The only witness who actually spoke with Trump confirmed that the president told him he wanted no quid pro quo. I finally called the president. I believe it was on the 9th of September. I can't find the records and they won't provide them to me. But I believe I just asked him an open-ended question, Mr. Chairman. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories and this and that. What do you want? And it was a very short, abrupt conversation. He was not in a good mood. And he just said, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Something to that effect. So I typed out a text to Ambassador Taylor, and my reason for telling him this was not to defend what the president was saying, not to opine on whether the president was being truthful or untruthful, but simply to relay, I've gone as far as I can go. This is the final word that I heard from the president of the United States. If you're still concerned, you, Ambassador Taylor, are still concerned, please get a hold of the secretary. Maybe he can help. The defense then focused on the telephone conversation itself between Presidents Trump and Zelensky on July 25th. Nowhere did Trump ask for a quid pro quo that conditioned U.S. military aid to an investigation of Joe and Hunter Biden. There was no demand or threat or condition or quid pro quo stated in the call. The subsequent comments of Zelensky were recited to the senators, confirming the same. Evidence was introduced that Ukraine never even knew that financial aid had been temporarily halted. In the end, the aid was delivered to Ukraine with no strings attached. No investigation of the Bidens was ever launched. Did Trump have a legitimate reason to ask Ukraine about the Bidens? Yes, said the defense. It was suspicious of corruption because Biden bragged on camera about his own quid pro quo, threatening to withhold $1 billion in American aid unless a Ukrainian prosecutor investigating his son's company, Burisma, was fired. They played the now infamous clip of Joe Biden. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and and I was supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." 
They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Trump's defense argued that he had every right and indeed duty to inquire of Ukraine to investigate and turn over any evidence of potentially corrupt acts by the Bidens. The president's actions were entirely lawful, and indeed, House managers never alleged otherwise. Defense attorney Robert Ray reiterated that there was no quid pro quo demanded and none received. But back to manager Jeffrey's contention, proof of an explicit quid pro quo by the president, which parenthetically, as previously noted by Mr. Cipollone, is nowhere to be found in the articles of impeachment would have required a very different telephone call than the one President Trump actually had with Ukraine President Zelensky. As I tried to explain in the Time magazine piece, an explicit quid pro quo for alleged improper campaign interference would have had President Trump saying to his counterpart in Ukraine, in words or substance, here's the deal, and followed up by explicitly linking a demand for an investigation of the Bidens to the provision or release of foreign aid. None of that was said or ever happened. The call transcript itself demonstrates that beyond any doubt. In the president's words, read the transcript. Deputy counsel to the president, Mike Burpura, criticized Democrats for changing their accusations against Trump by later contending that he conditioned aid not on an investigation of the Biden's but on a public meeting with Zelensky. When the House managers realized that their quid pro quo theory on security assistance was falling apart, they created a second alternative theory. According to the House managers, President Zelensky desperately wanted a meeting at the White House with President Trump, and President Trump conditioned that meeting on investigations. So what about the managers' backup accusations? Do they fare any better than their quid pro quo for security assistance? No. No, they don't. A presidential-level meeting happened without any preconditions at the first available opportunity in a widely televised meeting at the United Nations General Assembly in New York on September 25, 2019. Ken Starr, who served as the independent counsel during the Bill Clinton impeachment in 1999, reminded senators that in all previous presidential impeachment proceedings, specific crimes were alleged. Here, none are alleged. And so the appropriate question. Were crimes alleged in the articles in the common law of presidential impeachment? In Nixon, yes. In Clinton, yes. Here, no. A factor to be considered as the judges and the high court come, as you will, individually to your judgment. Even in the political cauldron of the Andrew Johnson impeachment, Article 11 charged a violation of the controversial Tenure of Office Act. You're familiar with it. And that act warned expressly the Oval Office 
that its violation would constitute a high misdemeanor, employing the very language of constitutionally cognizable crimes. This history represents, and I believe, may it please the Court, it embodies the common law of presidential impeachment. These are facts gleaned from the constitutional text and from the gloss of the nation's history. Stay right there. We'll be right back after this. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Constitutional law professor Alan Dershowitz emphasized that the framers, when constructing the impeachment clause in the U.S. Constitution, specified only crimes, bribery, treason, high crimes and misdemeanors. He recounted a long list of past presidents who were accused by their political opponents of abusing their power, but were never subjected to impeachment, because that's not what the framers intended. The fact that a long list of presidents that were accused of abuse of power were not impeached demonstrates how selectively this term has and can be used in the context of impeachment. I'm sorry, House House managers, you just picked the wrong criteria. You picked the most dangerous possible criteria to serve as a precedent for how we supervise and oversee future presidents. The idea of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress are so far from what the framers had in mind that they so clearly violate the Constitution and would place Congress above the law. Dershowitz also addressed the New York Times report on Sunday night that Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, had supposedly claimed in a book that Trump told him He wanted to condition aid on an investigation of the Bidens, something that was allegedly discussed, but in the end, never happened. It never came to fruition. Trump delivered the aid with no conditions whatsoever. But even if it did happen, said Dershowitz, it would still not constitute an impeachable offense called abuse of power, because presidents are empowered to place conditions on foreign aid and have often done so. Now, it follows, it follows from this that if a president, any president, were to have done what the Times reported about the contact of the Bolton manuscript, that would not constitute an impeachable offense. Let me repeat, nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. That is clear from the history. That is clear from the language of the Constitution. You cannot turn conduct that is not impeachable into impeachable conduct simply by using words like quid pro quo and personal benefit. It is inconceivable that the framers would have intended so politically loaded and promiscuously deployed a term as abuse of power 
to be weaponized as a tool of impeachment. It is precisely the kind of vague, open-ended, and subjective term that the framers feared and rejected. Trump's lawyers argued vigorously that the president was denied due process and fundamental fairness during the rush to impeach in the House. His attorneys were not allowed to be present for many of the proceedings to cross-examine witnesses or present their own evidence. At the same time, House Manager Adam Schiff refused to divulge the identity of the whistleblower that triggered the impeachment of Trump and shut down any Republican efforts to examine Schiff's own role in coordinating or creating the whistleblower complaint. Here is Trump's defense attorney, Patrick Philbin. Had a reason, potentially, because of his office's contact with the so-called whistleblower and what was discussed and how the complaint was framed, which all remained secret, to limit inquiry into that, which is relevant. The whistleblower began this whole process, his bias, his motive, why he was doing it, what his sources were. That's relevant to understand what generated this whole process. But there was no inquiry into that. So what conclusion does this all lead to, all of these due process errors that have infected the proceeding up to now? At the end of the three-day presentation by Trump's legal team, his chief attorney, Jay Sekulow, warned senators that by adopting the House's new standard of impeachment, bereft of stated crimes and bipartisan support, a new era of impeachment in perpetuity would be ushered in. Danger. Danger, danger. We believe that Article 1 fails constitutionally. The president has constitutional authority to engage and conduct foreign policy and foreign affairs. It is our position, legally, the president at all times acted with perfect legal authority, inquired of matters in our national interest, and having received assurances of those matters, continued his policy that his administration put forward of what really is unprecedented support for Ukraine, including the delivery of military aid package that was denied to the Ukrainians by prior administrations. But if partisan impeachment based on policy disagreements, which is what this is, and personal presumptions or newspaper reports and allegations in a unsourced Maybe this isn't somebody's book who's no longer at the White House. That becomes the new norm. Future presidents, Democrats, Republicans, will be paralyzed the moment they are elected. Before they can even take the oath of office. The bar for impeachment cannot be set this low. Majority Leader McConnell, Democratic Leader Schumer, House Managers, members of the Senate. Danger, danger, danger. These articles must be rejected. The Constitution requires it. Justice demands it. President Trump's legal team ended its defense well short of the time allotted, a strategic decision that seemed to be welcome relief to senators who have been listening to the opening arguments from both sides for the better part of a week. 
Next, there will be written questions posed by senators, along with five-minute responses from House managers and Trump's team. Thereafter, senators will decide whether new witnesses should be called, like John Bolton. If so, this may delay the impeachment trial and open the door for Republicans to call their own witnesses, such as the Bidens, the still unidentified whistleblower, and even Adam Schiff. I'm Greg Jarrett. Be sure to pick up my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.